This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Well, today is Super Sunday, and it's called Super Sunday because of the Super Bowl. So you can pull your notes out for today's message if you care to do that. Today's Super Bowl is kind of a special one in that um, we'll be celebrating the 50th anniversary, so to speak, of the Super Bowl. It's number 50. Um, The very first Super Bowl was played in 1967 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and the Green Bay Packers won that game. 35 to 10. I know a lot of Packers fans who are still believing God they're going to win today. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens on that. Super Bowl. Have you ever noticed how much we use the word super to describe things that America? Everything is super these days. We've got super sales. Have you ever seen a sale that wasn't a super sale? They're all super sales. We have superstars, you know, in the entertainment industry and so forth. We have super tankers, you know, that carry the oil, superpowers. Um, I'm not sure if we have any of those anymore, but we used to. In politics, we have super PACs, they talk about. In the motel industry, there's a motel called the Super 8 Motel. <laughs> not sure how super it is. Um, we just had a super lottery in America that was worth $1.5 billion. Did anybody here win that? Uh, just curious, looking forward to your tithe check if you, <laughs> if you did. Uh, ooh, that would be helpful, you know. Anyway, and you know, you can, you can hire a super lawyer. They, they advertise as super lawyers if you want to lay out the cash. Some food these days are called uh, superfoods because of their nutrition or something. And, and I read even about some vegetables that are being called uh, super greens because of their cancer-fighting uh, ingredients and power. We have some thunderstorms that they call supercells because they often produce uh, tornadoes. You're, you've heard that. I was thinking about this word super and how we, we attach that to so many things. Uh, the Titanic was, was called a super cruise liner. And uh, it was called that because it was impossible to sink the Titanic. At least that's what the makers of the Titanic said. Most of you know the story there that it sank on its maiden voyage. And it's interesting to me that the builders of the Titanic said that the Titanic was so unsinkable that even God couldn't sink it. Do you know they made that statement? Even God couldn't sink it. I'm not, I don't think God sunk it. I don't think he would do that, but it is interesting that in his maiden voyage it sank. Hitler, you remember him, he promised his super Third Reich would last a thousand years, is what he promised. And the old Soviet Union bragged that it would conquer the United States without ever shooting or firing a shot. Both Hitler and the Soviet Union are gone. In the 19th, or excuse me, the 18th century, the French philosopher Voltaire made a super prediction. And this was his prediction. He said, he was an atheist, and he said, within 100 years of of his death, Christianity would be swept from existence and passed into history. He said within 100 years of his, of his death, of his passing. But 50 years later, the Geneva Bible Society bought his house. And they began using his own printing press to print Bibles. 
So not only did Christianity cease to, not cease to exist, but his own house and printing press were used. But then there's the granddaddy of them all, the Super Bowl. But sometimes the Super Bowl hasn't been so super. It's been kind of disappointing, frankly, and that's why I think some of the commercials have become something that we look forward to more than we actually do the game itself. I googled the all-time favorite Super Bowl commercial that has been on at least up until recent years, and the one receiving the greatest number of votes for being the best is the one called the Mean Joe Green for Coca-Cola commercial. Some of you will remember it because you're old enough to remember it. It's a trip down memory lane back to 1980. So here it is. some of you needed was a Coke this morning. <laughs> Be in a whole lot better mood than you are right now. I don't know. Well, no, you're all in great, great spirits here today. Somebody told me after the first service, and I can't remember the number anymore, but they told me it was uh, like 20-some or 30-some takes that Mean Joe Green had to do to, to get that one right. He had to drink that many bottles of Coke, you know, to, uh, I said, oh, my word. Well, I won't say what else I said. Um, it, it, well, I'll say it, but the belch afterwards must have been incredible after drinking that much uh, pop. I don't know. But um, my favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time, um, again, not the recent ones, but just back a few years, 10 years ago for, for me, is, is, a, is an ad for the 2005 Ford Mustang convertible. Here it is. I love it. Introduce a convertible this irresistible in the middle of winter. Coming this spring, the 2005 Mustang convertible. <laughs> so if you would have driven your 2005 Ford Mustang convertible with a Coca-Cola this morning, man, you would have been on top of everything. It would have been great. Anyway, wasn't that a kick having a 
a stoplight out in the middle of North Dakota somewhere, you know? <laughs> There's a stoplight out there. Anyway, I just thought that was so funny. Well, my point is, whether the uh, game lives up to being super or not, we'll, we'll have to wait a few hours to find out if that is true. But one of the things that we have all noticed in life is some of the things that are promoted to super don't end up being that way after all. So I was thinking to myself, if some things don't end up being super that are promoted as super, is there anything that we can really count on that is super in life? And I think there are, and I want to mention three of them to you this morning. The first one I would say to you is the God of the Bible is super. Now that may seem like a sacrilegious statement to you, and I'm not trying to be flip it flip it with that statement but he is indeed super he's incredible psalm 89 verse 8 says who is like you lord god you notice it it identifies the god here the word lord is an identifier it means jehovah so it's saying who is like jehovah god almighty all right See, because a lot of people say, well, any God, whatever God you want, they're all equal. That is not true. This particular verse says, there is no other God that is like the Lord God Almighty. You are Lord, you're mighty, your faithfulness surrounds you. Uh, Psalm 47, verse 2, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king of all the earth. Psalm 48, 1, how great is the Lord, how deserving of praise. Psalm 95, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Psalm 96, verses 4 through 6, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all the gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord, this Jehovah, made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. Now that last psalm right there, Psalm 96, tells us why our God is so worthy of praise, why he is so super. First of all, it says that he alone is the only true God. Why is he so great? Because he's the only one. There aren't a whole bunch of other gods. There's only one God. Verse 5 says, the gods of other nations are idols. They're just idols. And the Hebrew word that we translate idol means something that is weak, something that is worthless, something that has no value whatsoever. So if you're worshiping a God that is other than the God of the Bible... You are worshiping a worthless object. You are worshiping an object that has no strength or no ability. He is, it, it is weak, whatever you're worshiping. This is one of the reasons why we're so committed to missions. Because our God is the one true God. And when people are wrapped up in other other systems, religious systems, they are believing something that's taking them to hell. We've got to give them the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the reason we're committed to it. There is only one true God. Everybody deserves to hear about him. Secondly, the psalm says the Lord alone has power. Not many gods have power. The Lord alone, Jehovah, it says in verse 5, he made the heavens. And so he spangled the the skies with a billion zillion stars out there for us to enjoy. 
And isn't it one of the great joys to, of life to get some pictures from the Hubble telescope that show us just a little bit of God's creative handiwork? Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare, they're pronouncing the glory of God. He is a great God. He is the God of power who made it all. Thirdly, the psalm says, the Lord alone is majestic. Verse 6, majesty surrounds him. That means that when the dust settles one of these days and everything comes to an end, there will be only one who will still be standing. And it won't be the idols or the false gods of the other nations. It will be the God of the Bible who alone will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. He is worthy. You know, this is so important to God. If you read the one-year Bible like I do, you have just finished reading about the plagues that God visited upon the, the, the Egyptians in order to set his people Israel free from slavery. One comment, and I've read that portion of scripture over many, many scores of times, but one comment from Exodus really intrigued me. It, it stood out. I meditated on it. It's found in Exodus chapter 12, and it has to do with the last plague to hit the Egyptians. It was the plague of death. Most of you know that. And you may remember that the Lord had visited upon the Egyptians nine other plagues before, of course, the tenth plague. And they were plagues ranging from frogs, infestation of frogs everywhere, to locusts stripping all vegetation and trees and, and, and crops and everything, bodily sores breaking out on the Egyptians, to heavy darkness covering all of the land. But each time, what should have softened Pharaoh... Which should have caused him to say, you know what? Our gods aren't that big and I'm not that great either. This God of Israel is the one true. It should have done that to him, but it only hardened his resolve to not let Israel go. So nine times God gave Pharaoh a chance and nine times he refused to change. But the 10th plague was a backbreaker. God would send a death angel over the land. And this is what he said. Every firstborn male child, every firstborn male animal will die. Tonight, that child, that animal will die. And the only way to escape the consequence of this plague will be to apply the blood from a sacrificed lamb or goat on the door frame of your house. If you do that, the death angel will pass over. But if you do not, the death angel will visit your home. That's why this celebration became associated with uh, an annual celebration that the Jews uh, performed every year in honor of what God did that night, that he passed over the homes that were covered with the blood, that were marked by the blood, and he visited his plague upon those that were not. And from the household of Pharaoh himself, the most powerful man in Egypt, to the household of the lowliest slave, even into the barnyard, any firstborn male animal, 
They died that night if no blood was applied. And of course, the Egyptians did not believe the word of God, and so they did not apply the blood to their door frames. But the Israelites, the Jews, did believe, and they applied the blood. And, and the, the angel passed over them. And that's the reason why they call that celebration the Passover celebration, because it signifies what God did that night. He passed over the houses that were marked with blood. What a beautiful typology it is of, of the passing over of God's judgment upon us when we have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. When we are under the blood, the curse of God does not come against us. The blessings and favor of God are upon us as God's people. Amen. But what happened that night intrigued me in that the story it indicates God's the, the pinpoint nature of what God was trying to do that night. And it's found in Exodus 12, 12. Here God is telling Moses what he's going to do. And this is what he says. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. Now, it's the last part of that verse that I want to, I underlined it. I'm going to execute judgment against all the what? The gods of Egypt. Now, we think that this is a, a judgment against the people of Egypt. It was not. The people of Egypt bore the consequence, but it was against the gods of Egypt that God was, was giving judgment. And what he was doing was judging all false gods. He was saying, you people believe in all of these gods. Their number one god was, the, the, was called Ra, the sun god. But none of these gods can save you from my hand. I am the Lord Almighty, and you need to know that the God that you are serving is a false God. Therefore, I will execute judgment, not just upon you, but I'm declaring to not only the Egyptians, but I'm declaring to all nations in the world everywhere that if they are following a God of their own making, they are following an idol who is worthless and weak and has no ability to save. There is only one true God, and his name is Jehovah. And folks, that same message is what God wants to tell you today in this room this morning. That's why we are committed to missions because we've got to get the word out to people that they can know about this one true God who is Jehovah, who has manifest himself through Jesus Christ. We need to tell them about the one true salvation that is available. Read it again, Psalm 96. Great is Jehovah. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all all the gods, the gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord Jehovah made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. He is the one true God. He is the great God who you serve. Never forget that he is the great God. Secondly, the word super would define the promises of God. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God in him, that means in Christ, are yes, and in Christ, amen, which means so be it, to the glory of God through us. So all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, to us. What God is promising comes to us 
through Jesus Christ. And we can declare that. So that, that verse there is telling us that there are two keys to receiving God's promises in your life. You need to write these down if you don't know it. First of all, you must know the promises of God. You've got to know them. You've got to know all of them. That's why Paul said all the promises of God are to us in Christ. They're yes, they're confirmed to us. Paul says they are all for us, but you won't receive what you don't know. If you don't know that the promise is there from God, you will never reach out to receive it. You will never know that it's available. Are you hearing me today? You've got to know that the promise is there if you're to receive it. If you don't know God's promises, if you don't, if you don't read God's word, if you don't know all of these promises, don't be surprised if your faith is weak when you hit a testing time in life. You've got to know the promises so that you can reach out and receive those promises and the effectiveness of that promise when the day of testing comes. I just want to share with you one promise. It's from Psalm 103, verse 3. It says that the Lord forgives all my sins and he heals all of my diseases. What an incredible promise. That's just one promise of thousands upon thousands of promises that are given to us in God's word. Now, I tell you, that doesn't mean anything to you much unless you realize you're a sinner. And you say, it says here, God will forgive my sins. It doesn't mean much to you unless you're sick from some disease that has attacked your body. Then you reach out and you say, hey, it says here that God will heal all of my diseases. And you see, when these things come to your heart, when you read that and you take that in, then you take the next step. Verse or number two, you believe and you confess the promises of God. So not only do you know them, it's important that you believe and confess them as well. As you get to know God's promises, faith will rise in your soul and you'll begin to believe that they are for you. They are yours. It's not just talking about other people. Every Sunday, I can see it in the faces of people. There are individuals who come in here and think what I'm talking about applies to somebody else. And they miss what God has for their lives. That's the reason we make the confession. Lord, I believe you've got something special for me. Listen, I want it for you, but I want it for me too. It's not just a matter of what God does for all of us. I need an individual touch from God. Amen? Do you need that for your life? Yeah, you've got to believe and you've got to confess that in your life. When you believe it, then you begin to confess it. You confess the promises of God. And that's what the word amen means in, in 2 Corinthians, where he says that all God's promises are yes and amen. That word means so be it. It's you declaring the so be it, the amen of God's promise over your life. Paul said the promises of God are yes and amen because of Jesus Christ in our lives. So maybe you're tempted to believe and you've, you've heard in your heart, you've heard something saying to you, God would never forgive you for what you've done. Pastor Jim, if you knew everything I've been involved in and all that I have done with my life, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even be talking to me about forgiveness because, uh, because God can't forgive everything that I've done. You just don't know all that I've done. And I can understand how you would feel that way. But that is a lie from hell against you. And you're listening to a lie from hell. The truth is, you believe what God's word says, not how you feel. And God's word says, he forgives all my sins. 
All of them. Not part of them. Not only the lesser ones. All of my sins are forgiven by my God. That's the greatness of his promise to me. Or maybe you're here today and you just struggle feeling like God wants to heal your sick body. Your diseased body. Whatever the case may be. But that's when instead of going by your feelings, you confess what God's word says. God's word says he heals all our diseases. So you must know God's promises and you must confess God's promises over your life. You confess them over your family. You confess them over your children. You confess them over your finances. You confess them over your mental stability. You confess them over your addictions. Whatever the case may be, you confess the promises of God over your over your marriage whatever it might be you trust God with it and you confess that he will fulfill his super promises in your life in his way he'll bring it to pass thirdly the word super defines our eternal destination hallelujah it's where we're headed I'm not talking about where you're headed here on earth. I'm talking about where you're headed in eternity. Jesus said, John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. And if I go and prepare a mansion for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. In other words, what Jesus is saying is no matter how hard it gets down here, no matter what you're going through in this life, don't get troubled over your, your circumstances. Don't let them become the big thing in your life. Don't let them take number one in your life. Don't get troubled over it. It doesn't even begin to compare to the glory and the blessings that God has prepared for you if you stay faithful to the Lord. Paul said you will reap a harvest in Galatians chapter 6 if you do not fail. If you do not walk away. If you keep the faith. God says you will reap a great harvest there's great blessings that are coming Jesus said in this world you're going to have trouble but relax take heart I have overcome the world and I will overcome in your life as well so don't get overwhelmed by your life don't walk out on God don't give up on your salvation because you're going through a rough time in your life I've seen it so much in my years in ministry that people who once had a, had a vibrant testimony with the Lord they hit they hit a trial of some sort, and it gets them so discouraged. They have a failure in their life of some sort. gets them so discouraged. They listen to what the devil tells them, that God doesn't love you anymore. God's given up on you, whatever might be coming into their heart. And they give up, and they walk away, and they walk away from God. I want you to know there is coming a reward to every believer that will make the trials of this life seem insignificant, small in comparison. There's a song that we used to sing years ago. It said, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see, when we see Christ. Just one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's worth it when you see Jesus. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, these troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small and won't last very long. Let's pause right there. It is obvious to me in life that God's definition of small and my definition of small are different. 
Most of the trials and troubles I go through seem huge. They don't seem small to me. But Paul is trying to give us a glimpse of eternity here. And he's saying, get your, get your focus right. What we're going through now is small, and it won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessing upon us forever and ever. So we do not look at what we can see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven which we have not yet seen. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Never forget we're temporary here, folks. It's just a short time. It's just a short time. The Bible calls it a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here one moment, gone the next. And that's really the way the Super Bowl will be today. I would like uh, for the ushers to escort that person out of there. We don't allow demonic words in the the church. But it doesn't matter who wins today. It won't take very long to where it won't be remembered that much anymore. Um, You probably don't know this, but I had to Google it to find out. But uh, 13 of the 32 NFL teams have never even played in the Super Bowl. So we're... We're playing in number 50, and that gives the, the ability for 100 different, well, we don't have 100, but 100 different teams could have played if we had 100. There's only 32, so certainly there would be a one in three chance that every team in the NFL would have made it to the Super Bowl. Do you follow me? Um, but 13 of them have never been in the Super Bowl. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, I mentioned, they were a part of the very first Super Bowl. They eventually did win a a championship back in 1970. It was their their last championship. That's 46 years ago. My team, the Broncos, last won in 1998. And uh, it was the 98 season. They won in January of 99. And... uh, If you were to talk to both Broncos and Chiefs fans, what you would find is that both fans from both clubs would consider it an eternity ago since they have won. That's just the way it is with victories in life. You know, the old phrase, what have you done for me lately? Most sports fans look at their team that they love and they say, what have you done for me lately? You know, and and we, we really do want our teams to win, and we really get into it emotionally and so forth, some more than others. Um, But the reality is, with the passing of a little bit of time, oftentimes we don't even remember who won, um, and we don't remember what the score was if we do remember who won. But it just seems like the things of life, they're here for a little bit, and then then they're gone. And you know, if your team, whoever your team is, if, if your team were to win every single year, then there wouldn't be much 
joy in that, you know, because everybody would say, well, they always win. You know, years ago before free agency, um, you had a lot of that. You had some of the supermarkets, not, not supermarket, but the super NFL markets, you know, that tended to attract the best players all the time. And so Dallas won a lot back in the day, you know, and uh, Green Bay Packers won a lot and, and uh, I don't know, so forth and so on. Um, the New York Yankees, you know, in baseball, they won a lot. The L.A. Lakers won a lot, you know. All of these things were a part of, this is not, this is not free-for-all here, folks. <laughs> uh, all of uh, these, these franchises, they were dynasties, you know. We called them dynasties. And pretty much every year you said, well, it's going to get down to, in the NBA, it would be, be the, the, uh, the Celtics and the, and the Lakers, you know, and then the Bulls came kind of on there for a while. But, you know, now that we have all this free agency, you never know which team's going to win in any given year. You kind of, well, did we make some good trades? Did our team get needed players? You know, are we going to are we going to see a difference this year? And, of course, um, if you've been a, a Bears fan, a Chicago Bears fan, it's been a long, long drought, you know, there because, um, well, whatever reason. They, they just don't seem to ever win. Uh, but, uh, and that's why Big Jim's wearing a Panthers uh, uniform this morning. Because even though he's really a uh, Bears fan, that's such a losing team that he, he vacillates. He has no commitment to a team. He vacillates from one team to the other. So he put on this, this wicked uh, Panthers. Yeah. You're not Cam Newton, brother. Keep, the, keep your arm down. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but anyway, my point just being this, you know, sports and everything, it comes and it goes, and, and we, we forget all about it. But the things that God does are life-changing for a lifetime. And they are, and they are powerful because God never changes. And so while... One team may win the Super Bowl one year and, and, and go to the cellar the next. That never happens with Jesus. The devil never wins, folks. Now, it may seem like the devil is winning internationally right now. Like ISIS and militant Islam and all that, you know, is, is winning. From our perspective, it kind of is. But you've got to understand that there's a God in heaven who is in charge of the world. He's in charge of what's happening. And all of this stuff is going to come around to a pre-designed plan that he has for the world. And I could bring that down to your life individually. You may look at your life and you say, man, my finances are the pits. My marriage is the pits. My kids are the pits. You know, um, my health is the pits. My spirit, my spiritual life is the pits. And we, we come away with the feeling like we're losers, that we're never going to make it, we're never going to win, we're never going to succeed in life. But the reality is that no matter what we are in our lives, if we commit our lives to Jesus Christ fully, he has promised that he will take even the bad things and turn them for the good. And even though it seems like there's no way that could happen, having lived a lifetime like Carrie and I have for the Lord, enough years under our belt, 
We have seen some impossible situations. There was no way God could bring good out of this, but he did. But he did. And that's the reason why I serve him so fervently today is because I have seen the faithfulness of God to people who trust him completely and how he turns even the worst into the best. And he has no favorites. He'll do that for you too. And so I just want to remind you of what Hebrews 13.8 says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He is still the same. So it, it doesn't matter who wins the election. Jesus Christ is still the same. And it doesn't matter who wins the Super Bowl. And by the way, I don't think that all the prayers in heaven are going to change the outcome because I don't think God is an NFL fan. It's not like, well, there's, there's more Christians on that team than that team, so that team has to win. No, that doesn't work that way. So, but it doesn't matter how it turns out, God is still in heaven and he's still on the throne and he's still in charge and he's still working for the good in your life and mine. It doesn't matter if you get laid off, Jesus is still the same. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report is, Jesus is still the same. It doesn't matter how your, your marriage is, how your money is. It doesn't even matter how deep your sin is. Jesus is still the same. He still heals. He still supplies. He still meets every need. He still, he still forgives every sin. And that can happen for you today. Because he is right here and he has something special for you today. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.